0: i Marie Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and welcome to another edition of Direct Snap. This is Episode 7, and we're going to address a pretty cool topic today, one that's been a heated debate on Twitter, on television, on Facebook. But if you're not familiar with Direct Snap, this is a show where we address controversial football topics that many want to either avoid completely or tap dance around. And we're going to take some fan questions in a second. But again, this show is Episode 7, and we're going to talk about quarterback wins whether or not it's a stat or not, and why I believe it is a stat that people should definitely consider and take seriously. But first, be sure to follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Also, we're on Facebook, Vine, and Instagram under the tag FootballGamePlan. We keep it pretty simple here at FootballGamePlan. Everything you hear and see from us will be FootballGamePlan. And also, don't forget to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash football game plan. And if you missed this show or want to hear any one of our podcasts that is archived on our website, we have that available for you guys at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And we're going to start with a little bit of news and notes from last week. And just a heads up, it just came across my desk in the FXFL. That's the Fall Experimental Football League. Josh Freeman last weekend went 13 of 19. For 194 yards and two touchdowns, but you won't hear that being covered on No Football Talk because it did, it doesn't involve Freeman being made fun of, and and so that's something that I always hate the fact that you know No Football Talk decided to make fun of Freeman last weekend uh, or two weeks ago when he struggled in the game. I think he had maybe four or five turnovers. The problem was, and what he failed to mention. At No Football Talk was the fact that it was a pouring monsoon. It was a hurricane going on in Brooklyn. And of course, no one had success. The other team also had, I think, four or five turnovers as well. So it was a sloppy game. But the headline was Josh Freeman struggles in his FXFL debut, which ultimately gets you the clicks. And that's what people want nowadays. They want those clicks, they want those hot takes. But last week, he was 13 of 19, 194 yards, and two touchdowns. Ideal conditions it wasn't let's say a perfect day you don't have to have a perfect day to play great football but you can't play great football in a freaking monsoon but again that's why there are no football talking that's why we are a football game plan and we want to make sure we give people a well-rounded view of the game no slant No shade, nothing involved. We give you straight, raw, and uncut how we we see it and how you're supposed to be looking at it with no slant or no shyness involved in in coverage. We're not trying to get clicks. We're just trying to give you guys honest evaluation, honest football coverage, our honest look at a game or a player. Um, But you notice it was quiet at No Football Talk seeing that Josh Freeman Decided to have a great game last week, but you won't hear that there, but you'll definitely hear that here, and that's why I have a real problem with how some people cover the game. But I'm going to get off this soapbox in a second. We're going to take a short, quick break and come back and get to some fan questions, then we're going to jump into our topic, quarterback wins and why it is a stat. Tell you something, boy. Let me learn you right quick. You give these NFL coaches a full offseason to figure out this forward pass thing. They'll stop it. It's gonna make a nice whistle. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, a rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. I tell you what, you give these NFL head coaches a full offseason to figure this black athlete thing out, they'll stop it. Let me tell you something. You give these NFL defensive coaches, offensive coaches a full offseason to figure this whole blitz thing out, they'll stop it. Mm-hmm. Can't be. <laughs> This whole Barry Sanders thing not going to work out. You give an NFL defensive coordinator a full offseason to figure him out, he won't last. Welcome back to Direct Snap. That's one of my favorite commercials, guys. It's called a full off season, and it, I don't think the the sound alone does it any justice. You have to check out the video. You can find it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash football game plan, or just hit us up on our um website. We have all of our commercials archived there at com slash commercials. A lot of funny stuff right there. We're poking fun at a lot of what people say. Oh, just give someone to a full off season. The full off season hasn't worked since football was invented. Since since Princeton traveled 15 miles down the road to take on Rutgers in the first football game, a full offseason did nothing to figure something out. So you kind of are what you are in football, and that's what we're trying to point out. It's funny because when we put out a lot of these commercials, people tend to say, oh, you know, it's like split. Some people are laughing, joking, and get the humor in it. And then you have some people that that tend to, you know, feel some kind of way. Um as it's all oh, you guys are always poking fun. You guys are arrogant. Uh no, we're not arrogant. I don't think we're arrogant. We're confident in what we do and what we say. Um and if that makes you feel some kind of way, then you know, what can I I can't make you feel better about yourself, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. I mean we're having fun with these commercials. And if you can't see the humor in these commercials and poke fun at yourself, then you, my friend, need to get out of this business and go do something else with your life. But uh moving on. Looking at some fan questions, we, we had only one fan question this this uh, episode, and it's coming from at Josh underscore Manners. He asked a great question. He said, do you still see the Seahawks making the playoffs, and what do you think of Trayvon Boykin out of TCU as an NFL quarterback? That, those are two great questions, by the way, Josh. I appreciate you uh, asking those questions. Um, to answer your first question about the Seahawks making the playoffs, absolutely. I still think they can make the playoffs. The so one thing you need – in order to, to be successful in a game of football, you have to be able to play great defense. Obviously, the, the the fact that you can limit your opponent from scoring is going to be huge. And I think the Seahawks' defense will get better as the season progresses. They have great talent in place, so they'll play great defense, I believe. And the other thing is that you need the ability to control a clock. And they have two guys that can do so once they get Marshawn Lynch back healthy, even though Rawls ran for over 100 yards last game against Cincinnati. And they have Russell Wilson, who's the ultimate gamer at quarterback and the ultimate game manager. And I'm going to tell you why that's a positive term uh, later on when we jump into quarterback wins is not a stat or is a stat and that argument that people are having a lot on Twitter and on Facebook. But those two elements, I believe, will help the Seahawks get to where they ultimately want to be, which is in the playoffs. And that they were my preseason Super Bowl pick, so I still think they can get there. There's enough talent out there in the Pacific Northwest for these guys to be successful. Despite their record currently, the Seahawks can get it going and get back in the playoffs. And once you get into the postseason, anything can happen. So I I would say, yes, they still will be able to make the playoffs. It's funny that NFC West matches up well amongst each other. Like certain teams match up well against other teams. Let's say like um, the Rams match up better versus Arizona than do the Seahawks, who don't match up. As well versus San Francisco, but the Cardinals matchup, great versus San Francisco. It's weird, dynamic. It's a great conference. I'm sorry, great division, but I do see the Seahawks getting into the playoffs. Now, whether or not they win a division or whether they get in as a wild card, who knows? But I will say this they will be in the postseason this this uh this season. And the other part of your question, which is a good one, it's a, a common debate you see on Twitter and on the blogosphere. Do you think Trayvon Boykin is an NFL quarterback? I absolutely think he is. Um, we did a nice video piece on him in the summer, just looking at his game and looking at what he has to work on and where he can get better, and what I was looking for, uh, you know, going into the season and seeing from him. And I think he has a lot of traits that you would like to at, at that position. So I do think Boykin is a guy that can, you know, he can do a, a great deal with his legs. He was a former wide receiver. You know, he has a quick release, which is excellent. He can whip the ball out of there pretty quickly. Um, where i like to see him get better is his placement. It has to be consistent. And his accuracy, it has to be consistent. Those are the things I think come will come with time. And a comparison I would make about uh, for Trayvon Boykin, um, he's everything people wanted Ryan Tannehill to be, a guy that played receiver, Making the move to quarterback and is slowly getting better. And you've seen him get better. He's actually playing quarterback in college better than Tannehill played quarterback at Texas A and M. Um, he's not making that many mistakes. He's not. And I'm not going to get into the whole. Well, this inter this the interceptable passes or this pass should have been intercepted or this pass shouldn't have been intercepted or it shouldn't have been a touchdown. I'm not going to grade negatively. That doesn't matter. Is it? Did the guy catch the football? Did the, did the defender pick it off? That's all that matters. Um, so when you look at why a guy may or may not have picked off the football, forget the cornerback. Let's look at the placement on the pass. And I think that's where Boykin has to become consistently better at. If you're going to play quarterback at a high level or international Football League at a high level, you have to be consistent in your good elements. Your bad can't be consistent. You can't be consistently consistently bad in a certain area, and you have to be consistently good. In a certain area, in order for you to have overall success. But I do think he can play quarterback. I hope that they allow him to play quarterback and not automatically just say, well, he's an athlete and move him to receiver, because why wouldn't they have done that with Ryan Tannehill, who was also in the same boat as Trayvon Boykin? Tannehill was a receiver, a fairly good one. You know, I give him props on that. He is an athlete. You know, he had enough speed to run away from people in the Big 12. So he could get the job done as a receiver. Then, he, you know, he also played quarterback in high school and he moved him to quarterback or where he, you know, moved the receiver to get on the field because they already had a really good quarterback on the roster and Gerard Johnson. Um, But then when he moved back, everyone was using the excuse as well. He's, you know, still trying to get used to the position. He's still trying to get he's only played the quarterback position, you know, for three years. So he's still fairly new. But Boykin doesn't get those same excuses. And I think we know why because people are are stuck in their ways and their beliefs that only certain people can play quarterback and you can only play it one way and you can only have a certain look and I think that's the problem with the NFL as far as um scouting is concerned because you hear all the you see all these articles and we talked about this last week where where people brought up these articles about a lack of um the the crisis in football at the quarterback position when that's not true they just keep moving guys that can't play quarterback to different positions, like a Nick Marshall, like a Terrell Pryor. They ran Vince Young out the league even though he had a 31-16 record as a starter. You know, Tim Tebow can't hang on. John Fox wasn't able to – didn't want to adjust to his game for a full season, even though that same game helped him win a playoff game versus the number one defense in the NFL at the time in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they've there been – quarterbacks coming from these spread systems that can't play well and not every quarterback in a spread system is a good quote unquote uh, quarterback prospect. And I think that's where people get confused. You know, it's not, you don't take every quarterback. That's like saying every pro style quarterback can play in the pros. Like, no, they can, but they can't do it. Well, there are certain traits you look for at the position and that determines whether or not a guy can play or whether a guy can't play. And, you know, that's the difference between a uh, Timmy Chang and, and a uh, Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan was a much better quarterback than Timmy Chang, and they played in the same system, you know. And to me, that was evident. So when people think, you know, oh, he's a system guy, he's coming from, let's say when they talked about Hawaii quarterbacks, so he's a system guy coming from Hawaii. Um, he, he's not going to be able to have success. If that was the case, if college success was as evident of having success in the pros, then Timmy Chang would be in, you know, a Hall of Fame. Well, that's not the case. Timmy Chang wasn't better than Colt Brennan. You know, Timmy Chang had the same placement issues you saw at Hawaii. He just so happened to throw for a bunch of touchdowns, but also threw a bunch of interceptions. Brennan didn't do that. Therein lies the difference, you know, and so Brennan was a much safer passer, um, he was much more consistent in his good things and not his bad things, and that ultimately led him to be a better quarterback. I said all that to say this, Josh, that, yes, Boykin can play quarterback in the NFL. He just has to get the opportunity to do so. If he does, he's going to surprise a lot of people and be fairly successful. If they, if there's a coach that drafts him and and thinks, okay, I don't have the time or the the want to, to to get him going. I'm gonna let him play receiver, or what have you. Look at a guy like Tyrod Taylor. I mean, and people are gonna use this this excuse like, oh well, he sat and learned. Like you don't learn by sitting. You don't learn by doing nothing but playing the sport that you're out there playing. You know, when in life have you ever gotten better by not doing something? When have you ever gotten better by? When have you ever gotten better at doing something by not doing it? That's the difference. It doesn't work like that in football. You know, you don't get better by sitting and watching. Oh, well, what about, what about, what uh, I can't make that Muppet voice. It's one of my favorite characters. What is it about Aaron Rodgers? He set for, Aaron Rodgers set behind a freaking Hall of Fame quarterback in Brett Favre. Well, what about Philip Rivers? He set behind, yes, he set behind Drew freaking Breeze. Well, what is it about Tom Brady? Ha ha, Tom Brady. Like, listen. Tom Brady was sitting behind a guy that was playing very well in Drew Bledsoe. He was a number one overall pick. He wasn't no slouch. And until Drew Bledsoe got hurt, then Tom Brady got his chance and fully ran with it. But truth be told, Tom Brady was the same quarterback in New England that he was at Michigan. So it's not like he got better behind Drew um, behind uh, Drew Bledsoe. So there's no, you don't get better by sitting. That's the dumbest logic I've ever heard. You know, so Boykin can play he has to go to a situation where the coach will allow him to play and cater to what he does. Well, while you still coach him up on his technique and on his mechanics, I think he can be a fairly successful quarterback. Otherwise, if he wasn't a good quarterback, TCU would not be winning these ball games. And that right there is called a segue, which ties me right into this topic for today. Quarterback wins being a stat. And thank you, Josh manners at Josh underscore manage for the question. Uh, on this podcast, but quarterback wins. Oh my God. And the reason why there's no, dis- and, and before I get out here and, and, and give my position on why I think it is a stat, let me say this for the sensitivity, you know, um, for the sensitive people out there, the tender people out there, it's a great argument. I can completely understand both sides of the argument. You know, football is not like tennis, <laughs> you know, is not like, Uh, what's another individual sport Uh, boxing where you are directly where you are responsible for the win or the loss i completely understand the logical argument that you're making it makes sense i'm not saying it doesn't make sense i'm not saying it's a dumb argument at all because it makes sense football has 11 people on a football field on one side of the ball 22 players playing in the game, 53 on a, on a, on a roster, college 85 or 120. Um, so I completely understand that one guy is not solely responsible for the win. And, but then people go overboard. So it, it people go overboard with their, with the extremes, you know, they'll say, well, how many wins does the long snapper have? <sighs> this is why people can't have intelligent debate and, uh, discussion on topics like this, where everyone is divided because people go to the extreme. That's an extreme example. Of course, the long snapper doesn't affect the game. You know why? Because he doesn't handle the ball every play. Therein lies the difference. The quarterback handles the football each and every play, whether it's a handoff or a drop back pass. So when you look at the quarterback in a sense of getting the win or getting the loss. Overall, when you look at the play of the guy that handles the ball every play, does he do, does he do enough positive things to where he's putting your team in position to put points on the ball which ultimately can win you a game, whether that's three or seven? Is he doing what he has to do to move the offense forward? And I think that's the difference. Every quarterback is not going to look the same. Some get to the there's, you know, there's different paths to this, to this quarterback wins, you know, to a win in a football game. There's many different ways to get to California, put it that way. So while Vince Young may help you win a game differently than Dan Marino will help you win a game, they both are playing the quarterback position because, again, they handle the ball every play. And and so everyone wants to look at. So yes, uh, I think quarterback wins should be a stat because I tell you this, it, it's so funny because people never look at the other side. If you're if you're watching a football team or you noticing a team that is consistently losing football games, what's the first thing people point at? Man, this quarterback's terrible. We need a new quarterback. You never see a situation where a quarterback is constantly winning or the team is winning. You never see that situation where they say, hey, man, we need a new quarterback, other than Tennessee, where they got rid of a guy that was 31-16 and as a starter, rookie of the year, and led them to um, two playoff appearances. But you, but that's the only case. And that's an extreme case where stupidity took over. But you never see a situation where the Ravens, who have won Super Bowls, I think they won two with Flacco. Maybe one. I could be wrong. They won one. But they constantly in the playoffs. They're constantly doing great things. You never hear, man. The Ravens need to get rid of Flacco. It's so funny to watch people talk about Andy Dalton, and all Andy Dalton has done is led this football team to what four straight playoff appearances. But everybody wants to replace him because of what he's done in the playoffs. And there's different. Each game is different. It's not that Andy Dalton sucks in the playoffs, and there's some reason. There's no reason why he sucks in the playoffs. Just because it's the playoffs and it's not Week Seven. They they've had injuries in the playoffs. You know, they've had other issues. He hasn't played well. Does that mean he's a bad quarterback? No. So now all of a sudden people are are shocked that he's doing extremely well. Well, he's been the same quarterback. Well, no. If you look at this stat in the second quarter versus this pass, and he's throwing this route now better than he did. No, shut up. No, he's not. He's playing the same damn ball he's played his whole career. Difference is the Bengals now have even more weapons. You know, they have running backs that can help you out in the passing game. They have a great tight end. They had a tight end before in Gresham, but they now have another good tight end in uh, Eifert. They have two good receivers now, that could one that could take pressure off A.J. Green. You still have Muhammad Sanu in there. I think they could use another guy, you know. So he has more weapons. Play calling has been excellent. He's gotten better as he's gotten more playing time. He's gotten better as he's gotten older, and that tends to happen with good players. They tend to get better. Bad players get worse, i.e. Matt Castle. But yet he's still getting a starting job over, let's say, a guy like Kellen Moore, who won a lot of games in Boise. If Kellen Moore was terrible, Boise State wouldn't have beat Oklahoma. They wouldn't have beat TCU. They wouldn't have beat Boise A&M. Good quarterbacks don't lose, and I think that's the part people are missing. And another uh, another guy people point to um, is... Well, Trent Dilfer, you don't have to do much but be a game manager. Like, listen, being a game manager is a great thing. Russell Wilson is a game manager. Aaron Rodgers is a game manager. Game manager means you play great situational football. You don't have to throw the football 40 times a game to show your worth as a quarterback. Trent Dilfer didn't have to do that to show his worth. They gave Trent the ball and said, hey, Trent, don't make a mistake. And what he did? Didn't go out there and make a mistake. And what they do, win the damn Super Bowl. It's that easy. Football is an easy game. It's a real easy game. People make it complicated. You know, they try to make it complicated with long, longer than normal play calls, you know, different calls for the for something that's simple, you know, advanced statistics make football seem complicated than it really, than it really is. You know, so there's a bunch of things. Trent Dilfer did exactly what you want every quarterback to do. Play well in the situation. Play well on third downs. Play well in the red zone. Don't turn the ball over. Do what you have to do to make sure we stay on the positive side of the scoreboard. And he did that. Simple. And and let's look at last week. There were a couple of quarterbacks that played well and ended up losing. But there's a reason, and people will look at, well, he played well, he should have got, but they got the loss. So how can you say that that loss is on him? Here's why. Let's look at Michael Vick in that game. Michael Vick played poorly the first three and a half quarters. However, the game, by the grace of the football guys, were co- was close in the end to where they had a shot. They just needed Michael Vick to make plays on that drive. Now, granted, you played poorly the entire game. Poorly. You know, some bad placement on passes that could have went the other way you know, for But they didn't, so they count as incompletions. They don't count as almost interceptions. But that last drive, he managed the situation. He ran when he had to, picked up a big game to get them down close, made a key throw to Darius Haywood Bay, who caught the football with his hands. That right there should be a sports century 30-for-30 30 30, um, type moment. So he made throws that he had to make. He made a great stick throw to Heath Miller. And then they ran it in for the touchdown. So he, he'll he get the, the victory. On the flip side, Phillip Rivers played well, but they lost. But he'll get the loss. And people will say, well, that's not fair. How could he get the loss when he played well? And here's the other part, too. When you look at, let's say, the anatomy of a loss, would, would you say that Ch- San Diego could have won if they would have made one more play to extend the drive to run out the clock, if Philip Rivers could have made one more throw to close out the game? Absolutely. So that's that's where you see a guy that played well but also didn't do well enough to win, despite his numbers being a hell of a lot better than, uh, than Michael Vick, who played poorly but played well enough to win when they needed him the most. You look at the game between San Francisco in uh New York the Giants Eli Manning played great in that game but also he had some throws that were terrible one was a one was actually intercepted but they uh reversed it on a challenge you know so it didn't count as an incomplete pass and another one where the DB undercut the receiver and could have picked it off to save the game for the San Francisco 49ers who took the lead but he didn't, so it counts as an incompletion. Now I'll get back to Eli in a second. Let's hurry up and go over to Colin Ka- uh, Kaepernick. First half he was inconsistent, partly because there were no way, no, there were no receivers getting open down the field. I, I'm sorry, I've never seen a team that lacks a deep threat. And Quiet is kept the only deep threat San Francisco has may honestly be their – may honestly be their slowest wide receiver in Anquan Bolden because he's the one that they can trust going deep and catching the football and high-pointing it and not allowing a DB to get to it. You can't do that with Torrey Smith, who is a guy that has speed but doesn't play fast. He can't judge a football. He has inconsistent um, hands as far as going up to get it at his highest point. So they couldn't get open in the first half. So to the perception to people out there watching TV who didn't have the luxury of seeing – the all 22 view, and I hope they're seeing it now that it's on game rewind. That there were no receiving options open. And if you're a guy like Colin Kaepernick that has that mobility, that has some speed, and people, well, he could have dumped it off to the running back here. Yeah, let me dump off a two yard pass when I can go and run for eight myself. So, you know, it's just again. So he didn't play as great in the second half, or I mean, the first half, or as good in the first half. However, and that's, you know, there were some plays in that game that there were passes he could have had. He could have made. I say that to say this. He got them down to the to the goal line. They scored. He he played a great fourth quarter on that last drive. He got him into position to, to win what looked to be the winning touchdown. He played great. Ran what he had. Almost, it almost looked like the Michael Vick game that we were that we seen the next day. So Cab did exactly what Vic did, not as poorly, but did exactly what Vic did a day later, a day earlier. Got down what looked to be the game-winning touchdown. Great drive. Except Eli Manning had the football with three backup wide receivers, went down the field, and scored the game winner with a, with a perfect, perfectly perfectly placed pass to the tight end in the back of the end zone. Eli Manning gets the win. Colin Kaepernick gets the loss. So when you look at that, you say, well, Eli Manning won Kaepernick lost. But Kaepernick did a a good job getting them down to be in position to win. How could that loss be on Kaepernick when he got them down there to get the the winning points? The defense didn't uh, do their part and stop the Giants from scoring. How can he get that loss? That doesn't make sense. I hear the argument. It's logical. It makes sense. But then you start to look at the entire game and you're like, wow, here's a misplay. Here's a misplay. There's a misplay. That's where the coaches come into play and be like, okay, we could have. this could have been a, a good drive. We could have got three here. We could have got seven here. What were you thinking about here? Why did you throw it here? And they dissect the game to where we didn't make enough plays to win. Eli Manning, albeit he had two plays that could have ended tragically, you know, with two turnovers, he made enough plays to win. If you lay out the plays made versus the plays di- he didn't make and you know, loving him out on a, on a um, sheet of paper, like, you know, plus and minus, he had more pluses than he did minuses as opposed to Colin Kaepernick. So all of those things added up to Eli Manning winning the game. Despite, you know, what some may say to say he didn't have a great game. So that that's the difference. That's how you look at wins versus losses. I mean, you look at Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, both of those guys had bad games. That cost their team a chance to win. Bad interceptions, so they got the loss, justifiably so. Why? Because you handle the football every play. You didn't have to throw that. If you're Kirk Cousins, you didn't have to throw that that late out route when you saw a sack coming, a, a blitzer coming on second and eight. You take the sack, and now it's third and fifteen, and you live to play another down. But fear got you to throw that football and turn your back and throw the game losing interception for Drew Brees, holding the football entirely too long for, uh, you know, put you in position to get sacked by Fletcher Cox a couple times. Also put you in position to get stripped, fumbled, strip sacked a couple of times by, you know, one by Cox and one by, I want to say Benny Logan or someone like that. That's on you. That's not the offensive line. That's not the defense stopping um, Sam Bradford in that passing game. Saints could have lost that game two nothing with the amount of mistakes that Drew Brees made in that game. That's how you get the quarterback loss. And so when you look at this, you know, someone saying that quarterback wins is not a stat, it, it really is. You handle the football more than anyone else, other than a referee on a football field. You constantly have the ball in your hands, even when you're turning around and handing it off to a running back. So you have to make enough plays, enough positive plays for your team as a whole to win. That's what. A lot of people say when they when they attribute a win or a loss to a quarterback, you didn't play well enough. You could have made a play here or there. That's why every play for a quarterback matters. Maybe not matters as much so for a running back, but every play matters for a quarterback because at the end of the day, whether you win or lose, you you want to tally those up. Now granted you may get lucky sometimes and not and not and, and play terrible, but end up winning a game. That's to me that's the outlier. That's the anomaly. You know, the norm is the fact that you have to play very good football more than you're playing inconsistent or bad football in the game for it to count as a win or a loss. And so that's why I just think it matters. And, And we always say over here that good quarterbacks don't lose. They don't. You know, I've never seen a great football team with a poor quarterback. That just doesn't happen. I mean, you look in college, Flutie. Had Flutie been terrible, Boston College wouldn't have won all those games. I think he won 30 games as a starter. But David Green at Georgia has the lead. He's above Peyton Manning, who had 39. If Peyton Manning was terrible at Tennessee, they wouldn't have had 39 wins. You know, David Green won 42 wins at Georgia from 2001 to 2004. You know, and yes, I'm cherry picking. I'm looking at the, looking at the list now. And, you know, because some people say, oh, well, you're cherry picking. You can't. Right, I am. Chad Henney Chad Henney is on this list at Michigan. He played some solid football at Michigan. Was he the best? No, but he was a pretty decent quarterback. Casey Clausen is on this list. One of my favorite players in college football history is on this list, and Jay Bark out of Alabama. You know, with thirty-five wins. So when you're when you see these wins attributed to quarterback, Chris, I mean, uh, Chad Pennington up there, thirty-five. Ty Detmer with 37, Matt Liner with 37, Marino, surprisingly, with 37, Ken Dorsey with 38. You know, so you see these guys on this list. And you have to be playing some good quarterback. You have to be playing good quarterback, you know, to, to be in that position or have good quarterback play. So that that's the difference. It's not about whether or not a guy is solely responsible. Are you doing enough to help your team win? Are your positives adding up more so than your negatives? I think that's the biggest key that people lose sight of. It's not the fact that, you know, oh, well, if you win in college, you can win in the pros. It's the fact that nine times out of ten, if you are consistently playing good football, your team will win. You never see bad quarterbacks on this list. You still see terrible quarterbacks on this list. You know, I just think it's amazing. Rarely do you see that. And one guy that I like to bring up is, is Jay Cutler. You know, Vanderbilt wasn't the best team, but when they got Cutler, they were competitive. They they played, he was playing the Kaepernick game that I saw Sunday night. Well, you put your team in position to win, but something happened and you lose. But then you look back, like, okay, maybe you could have made a play here or there. But you saw enough trace where this guy's a pretty good quarterback, despite his his record in college. But when you look at certain guys like Bill Parcells, uh, Bill Polian, Bill Walsh, they put a heavy emphasis on quarterbacks that have a lot of wins. Why? Because that means they're playing really good football. It's that simple. It, it really is. Look at the worst college football team in the country right now. I don't know who that is. Maybe Kansas. You know, But are they getting great play from their quarterback? Probably not. Even if you have a poor defense, you're going to be in a lot of shootouts. You know? Danny Werfel is on that list with 32, and Danny White ahead of him, are tied with 32 as well. It's a good list. You know, it's a really good list to, to look at. But there's a there's something to be said about guys that that play well and and are responsible for the team winning and losing. Ryan Tannehill with the Miami Dolphins. He has done some positives, he's done some negatives, and it's partly the reason why the record while he's been the starter has consistently been 8-8. Eight and eight. He's mediocre. He's average, and there's nothing wrong with being average. If you're going to get average play from your quarterback, then you have to make sure you don't try to rely on him to be the guy. You saw that last year with, with Dallas. Where did Romo struggle? When he put the game on his shoulders. Why didn't he struggle last year? Because it took, took the game out of his hands and put it in the hands of DeMarco Murray. They de emphasized the quarterback position and, and emphasized the running back. So I totally get, you can't attribute one game to a, to a, uh, to a player on a football game, but people do it all the time with kickers. Oh, the kicker won or lost the game, you know, like, come on, quarter quarterbacks, impact the game more so than any other position on the field. Because again, you handle the ball every play. That's the reason why the pitchers get win win and loss stats in baseball. They handle the ball damn near every play. I mean, the, the play can't start without a pitch. So quarterback wins is a stat. Look at the Titans. Matter of fact, let me look at this these stats right here, you know, and I'm not really a stats guy because I do believe numbers lie you know numbers always lie but they do tell you a piece of the story I may mean, not I tell you the whole story but tell you a piece of it so we're looking at Tennessee Titans um with Vince Young now prior to Vince Young they had uh Steve McNair eight and eight eight and eight 13 and three lost to Super Bowl 13 and three lost of division 7 79 11 and five 12 and four. And the last year, four and twelve, before he got jettisoned out, right? That's good quarterback play right there. Got him to the Super Bowl. Got him to the two divisional playoff uh, appearances. One conference, you know, could have went to the, another Super Bowl. Now you look at Vince Young, eight and eight, ten and six, eight and eight, because the one year he didn't play, uh, because they put. I want to say Kerry Collins and they went 13 and 3. Now you look at the guy they had brought in to replace him and it, it was a bunch of guys. They went back to Collins who the following year went 6 and 10. Hasselbeck took over they went 9 and 7. Locker who had been injured 6 and 10. FitzPatrick went 7 and 9 and uh Mettenberg last year went 2 and 14 and right now they're 1 and 3. And is going to be a really good quarterback because he he has talent and he can play. And he was a winner in college. But that's the thing. You look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and and his career in the league, and since he's been a starter, since he's been a starter in 2008 with the Bengals, 4-7-1, 4-4 in 2009 with Buffalo, 4-9 with Buffalo, 6-10, 6-10 all with Buffalo, Tennessee, three and six, six and six with the Houston Texans. And right now they're currently seeing it at three and one, you know? So you tell me there's no coincidence in everywhere he's gone. He hasn't had winning consistently. That hadn't been his success juxtaposed to someone that people never give credit for or credit to. Let's look at Andy Dalton. We got what Carson Palmer took over in 2004. There were eight and eight, 11 and five, eight and eight, 79, um, 10 and six and four and 12. So he was okay. Statistically, he was off the charts, but he was just okay as a quarterback in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton, nine and seven, 10 6, 11 5, 10, 5 1, and right now they're sitting at 5 0. There's no coincidence, guys. What was Carson Palmer's record when he was in college? Let's take a look-see, since we have these statistics. And I saw a great documentary the other night, uh, by the way, in um, Trojan Horse. Great, great. uh, It's a great, whatchamacallit to watch and you know Carson Palmer had some success with uh Pete Carroll that last year but so so from 98 to 2002 USC was eight and five six and six I think one of those years he redshirted so let's say he redshirted in 98 so 99 they were six and six five and seven six and six and then Pete Carroll got there in his first year they went um, Second year they went 11 and two and won the Orange Bowl. So that was the best season Carson Palmer played, which in turn was the season he won the Heisman Trophy. But his record in college was just as average as you saw with the Bengals. Now let's look at old Fire Island head Andy Dalton and what he has right now uh, and what he did at TCU. His his TCU stats were off the charts, by the way. His touchdown to interception ratio was still the same. He got better every year. 10 touchdowns 11 picks as a, as a freshman, then 11 and 5, 23 and 8, 27 and 6 as a senior. Record at TCU from 2007 to 2010. Hold on. You guys know I uh you know I'm just trash with these stats Hold up. Where can I find Oh, here we go. Texas Christian. 2007 to 2010. 8 and 5, won the Texas Bowl. 2008, won a Poinsettia Bowl, 11-2. 12-1 and, 2. 12 and 1 in 2009, lost a Fiesta Bowl. That was a great game, by the way. In 2010, his senior year, perfect 13-0, and, and they won the Rose Bowl, which was another great game. So his track record of success follows him. There should be no reason why the Bengals are sitting w- w- with those amount of wins and, and undefeated right now with Andy Dalton at the helm. It follows you. Winning does matter if you're a quarterback that handles the football well because you handle it on every play, you're going to be in the position to win more games than you lose. Hence the term that I always use, good quarterbacks don't lose. They don't. With all of the talent that Matthew Stafford had at Georgia, let's take a look at his record while they were there. Let's see, Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm not just, you know, again, I'm not picking on anybody. You can't be good. You can't be a good player, but are you a winning quarterback? That's that's the thing. You know, so let's look at Mark Rick uh, and his record with Matt Stafford. When did Matt Stafford get drafted? 2009. 2008, I believe. Let's see. Georgia has had a lot of success. Matthew Stafford. His issue was the interceptions. His rookie, his freshman year. I'm sorry. Seven touchdowns, thirteen picks, nineteen touchdowns, ten picks, twenty five touchdowns, ten picks, fifty two percent completion percentage, fifty five percent as a junior, as a sophomore, and as a junior, sixty one. So he tapped out and reached. He he knew to get out of dodge pretty quickly. So from two thousand six to two thousand nine, let's look at what Georgia did. They were nine and four. They won the uh, Chick fil A Bowl. They were eleven and two won the Sugar Bowl in two thousand and eight they um they won the Capital One Bowl and they were ten and three. Good record. You know, and his his record with Detroit has been about the same. You know, so let's look at him with Detroit and his record with uh they were two and fourteen as a rookie. He only started ten games, but in those games he was two and eight. So I mean when you look at let's say that's two thousand nine. They were 2-14, 6-10, 10-6, 4-12, 7-9, 11-5, and 0-5 and 10, 10 and 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 right now. And he didn't start in 2000. I'm sorry, 2010. He was out that whole year. You know, And what was his problem in college? Interceptions. And his problem now? Interceptions. 137 touchdowns, 93 picks. But the record has adjusted because of that. Are you playing good enough football to consistently win? And the thing with those Georgia teams, they couldn't win the big game because there were a lot of turnovers in those games, a lot of bad decisions. You see the same thing with Matt Stafford in Detroit. So, again, winning follows you. Losing follows you. It matters. Good quarterbacks don't lose. So when you have a good quarterback, or if you have a guy, let's say, like Stafford, who can play good football, you just have to de-emphasize him. Don't try to make him John Elway. Allow him to operate off play action. You have a great target in Calvin Johnson. You have other targets in Golden Tate. Um, some solid tight ends, I believe. Good running backs. Don't try to rely on him to be the guy. So there's a case to be made. Look at Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville. There's no surprise he's not it, there's no surprise he's not sucking in the NFL. Winning matters. It follows you. And it does matter, and it is a stat. So when you say a quarterback has, you know, a 21-1, if Aaron Rodgers was terrible, Green Bay wouldn't win all those games. And he is directly impacting that team. I mean, he threw, what, two intercepts in, in, in the last 20 years or some crazy number like that. But point is that he's playing great enough football to where that team is always winning. It's not a coincidence. There's been a lot of moving parts. there have been a lot of different things on defense, but he is playing great football. So that right there is 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 key. If you can play winning football, whether at the high school level at the college level, it will carry over because it's it's a it's a situation where you're playing. You understand the situation. That's what I'm trying to say. Your situational football is great. Look at Russell Wilson as he went from NC State to Wisconsin. And now to the Seahawks. It travels. So don't totally dismiss the quarterback wins as a stat. Because, again, some people like Bill Parcells, Bill Polian, Bill Walsh, all put heavy emphasis on a quarterback's record coming out of college. So I would say those guys have a pretty good grasp of how to evaluate talent. So you don't have to listen to me. Just go ask them, and they'll tell you the same thing. It does matter. So it matters so much that I will be looking at guys – winning records and putting that in my evaluation just to piss off some people that that'll be like, Oh, quarterback wins, not a stat, you know, let's look at the, the quarterbacks. Let's, you know what, if it's, if it doesn't matter, let's look at all of the the terrible quarterbacks in college football, all the senior quarterbacks now in college football, that's playing bad football right now. If they're playing bad and terrible football in college, they should be the best in the NFL, right? According to that logic. See how that doesn't make sense? It makes sense though to look at guys that are constantly winning football games, whose teams are constantly winning football games. Then you look at the quarterback play. Like you know what? He's doing a great job. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be dynamic. Every play doesn't have to be have to be Elway threading the needle on a on a uh, slant route against the Browns in the uh, in the end zone. It doesn't have to be that. You can just make great decisions with the football. Quarterbacking. There's an art to it. And you know what? Maybe next podcast I may talk about the art of quarterbacking. So we'll get into that, but this is a, a an abbreviated direct snap. I do want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen, and also check out our two latest book releases on our website, footballgameplan.com slash books, football, a love story, and what did football teach me? Again, over 100 interviews with current and former players talking about their love for the game, what the game taught them, what got them involved in the game, and why they Can't leave the game alone. Again, Mike Singletary tells a great story on what he did as a 12-year-old that set him on the right path to end up where he ultimately ended up as a Hall of Fame football player. Great stories, a lot of passion in there, and a lot of testimonials that you guys definitely should read should help out anyone decide whether or not they want to find their passion. It doesn't have to be football. It could be anything else, but they do a great job of that. And also, I have to make the announcement. This weekend, Saturday, I will be gracing your television tubes and your interwebs I will be the color commentator on the broadcast between uh at the at the game Colgate and Georgetown so I'll go down to DC be in the booth talking about uh the game and, and really breaking down from a color analyst standpoint so feel free to give me feedback on how I do as a color analyst I would like to know what you guys think of my broadcast and and how I can improve myself so check that out that's going to be on campus insiders uh patriot league network you can find it there as well Georgetown plays Colgate at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I will be the color commentator um, with my man Jeremy Huber, who's a play-by-play guy who does a great job as well. So check out the broadcast. Let me know how I do. And I appreciate you guys not only checking out that, but also listening to Direct Snap. Have you ever? Fell? Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Yeah.